you know, uh, Life is life is just different at times, isn't it? Just there are just different things that happen, and and you're wondering what what uh, what your role is in it, or how you ought to be prepared for it. And sometimes we make uh, good choices. Sometimes we make uh, choices that that uh, we thought were right, and and then we found out later maybe we didn't make the right choice. And this uh, this past week, I had the opportunity to go to a screening in Universal Studios, and it was a it was a screening of the film Unbroken: um, Path to Redemption. Now, it was a select group that could come, and only really important people were invited. Now, um, I, I, however, I have to do a little bit of a qualification there. The only reason I was invited and Alice is because there were some other important people that allowed us to tag along with them, all right? And so there was nothing about me that they knew anything about, but, you know, you had to have your license in there, you had to get a special card to get in, and then they brought you in this select screening room, and, and so I asked Alice right before I go, well, uh, well, actually, I didn't ask her. She told me, you know, as far as what I was supposed to wear, and, and it, was, it was more business casual than I am right now, and, and so when I got there, I was shocked because I was overdressed, all right? <laughs> I mean, they were, all these, these very important people were, you know, they had t-shirts on and ripped jeans. And, 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 and they buy them that way. I just make them that way, okay? And so I have quite a few of those in my closet that sometimes people don't like when I wear. But, you know, it, they come the natural way, but now people buy them that way. And, but anyway, it was a casual group, and they, and they showed that film, Unbroken. And really the reason I'm sharing that is that uh, I, I just want to urge you, if you can, to go see it. It's, it's the second part of the story of Unbroken, if you saw that, where you saw uh, Louis Zambarini, and as he was, uh, well, it takes a long time to tell that story, but as he was in World War II and his plane crashed and went through all that suffering and somehow rest, was rescued from that after enduring all kinds of, of torture. And, and that first film, because it was so long, they weren't able to give the, the last part of it, which is the best part, which is he came back and, and he had PTSD and he, he got married, but, but he hadn't dealt with the, the demons within him because of all that he had gone through. And and he couldn't, he couldn't be set free from what he had experienced. And then he walked in uh, to a Billy Graham um, crusade, and, and, and God grabbed his heart and changed him from the inside out. And, and, and as we think about that, this, that is really the message of the church, is that we're all, we might not be going through you know, post-traumatic syndrome because we were in the military or or some other traumatic experience, but the Bible talks about that everyone is caught up in a a slavery to our own sin. And and then we're far from God, we're lost, and that we need to be found. But but sometimes when when people make that initial commitment to Jesus, they they go, well, what's next? Well, how am I supposed to live this out? Uh, The the theme verse for the men this week is, is Galatians 5.1. I just want to read it to you. And it it really speaks to a, a group of believers that had made that step to, to follow Christ, but they were struggling. And what does that mean to now live it out? And, and so Paul, and there's no way to go through the argument today, but in Galatians 5.1, he goes, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, if you just look at that, you think, well, that, that's kind of a strange statement. Well, what else would you get freedom for? You get freedom for us because you need to be set free. But the reality was they had believed and heard the message that, that Jesus saves, Jesus forgives, Jesus changes on the inside. We become new creatures in Christ. But as they were experiencing that, they were saying, well, I, I know that's true, but somehow in my life it doesn't seem to be lived out. And, and, and what was happening, he says, you, you've now gone back to subject yourself again to a yoke of slavery. You've been set free, but it's like someone is has taken the chains off, and yet 
you've left them hang on your wrist and you, you still feel like you're being tied down. And, and so the, the, the challenge, well, you, you need to stand firm in what you've been in, released from and, and, and stay hold to that rather than going back to, to live life like you used to live. Well, it's one thing now to hear that and say, okay, God has set me free and, and I don't have to be chained to how I used to live and the things I struggled with and, and all the, the problems that seemed to overwhelm me. But how am I supposed to do that? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. As you think about the journey, it begins with that first step, but it doesn't end with the first step. We're, we're invited into to God's family. We're invited into to follow Jesus, but well, now how are we supposed to do that? And, and you know, sometimes we can come up with some initial answers to that question. Well, you, you go to church. Well, we can all go to church, and, and I know you listen intently to every word I have to say. Okay. Uh, but just listening to truth being spoken doesn't necessarily change you because there comes a point where you say, well, now, how do I put that into practice? How do I live that out? How do I, I, I believe that to the point where it changes me again from the inside out? And so as we, as we think about what it really means to, to experience the freedom that God has given us to set us free, to not be bound to a yoke of slavery, being living out the life that we don't want to live, I, how do we do that? Well, we stand firm in what God has said to us, but how do we do that? It's, it's doing life together. And so this morning, I'm going to give another pitch, and I gave a hard sell to, to uh, um, we, we won't mention names, but no. <laughs> Is that, you know, if you're around me, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to push you if you're not in a small group. I'm, I'm going to plead with you to be in a small group because it's, it's vital for me in my experience with the Lord. I need to have people around me that, that are encouraging me, supporting me, exhorting me to live out what I, I believe and want to live, how I want to live. And, and the Christian life is not a lone ranger experience. And I think we've probably all heard that, you know, cliche. Even the lone ranger at who? He had Tonto. And, and for some of us sometimes, the Christian life, we, we don't have any even Tontos. We don't even have one person around us. And, and so what I want to do is read a, out a verse, out of, uh, a couple of verses out of Acts, and then I want to then I want to just kind of explain what we're trying to do with life groups at Grace Hills Church. In Acts chapter 2, um, we have the, the launching of the church in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and, and then Peter gets up and he begins to preach. And he, he preaches, he doesn't mix words. He basically tells the people who are there and around when, when Jesus was put on the cross, you know what you did? You put the Son of the God on the cross, you killed him. And what do you think the consequences for that is? And, and then he gets to the good news. Well, the good news is that God loves you so much, even though you put his son on the cross, he's willing to forgive you if you turn from your sins and put your trust in him. And, and that was about it. There was no, there was no colorful, you know, funny stories. There wasn't any, you know, tear-jerking, uh, you know, uh, things that grabbed people's heart. He just told them the truth. He said, you better, you better, well, basically you could put that, you better turn or you're going to burn. You, 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 better, you better turn around and, and put your trust in him or judgment is coming. Well, on that first message, 3,000 people got saved. Verse 41 in Acts chapter 2 says this, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So they went from about 120 to 3,000 in one message. But then it goes on, so what happened next? Verse 42, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, what happened is these, these 
3,000 people started gathering these groups, and they began meeting with each other, and they began living life together. Now, the Bible talks about principles, and then there, as it gives principles, there's a variety of ways to, to live out those principles. And, and the principle that God gives throughout the New Testament is that we can't live out the Christian life alone. We, we've got to do it with one another. And when we're doing it with one another, we have a job description. If you look at Romans chapter 12, there's a whole list of them there, but throughout the Old Testament, through the New Testament, it says, well, you know what you ought to do? You need to, you know, you need to pray for one another. Well, you, you can't pray for another unless there is a what? Another. You know, you, you need to honor one another. Well, you can't honor someone unless there's a, an another. You, you need to... Uh, Speak the truth to one another. Well, you can't do that unless there's a, an another around you. And, and it goes on and on and on and on. And so the principle is we, we got to do life together because there, there are commands for us to, to live out our faith in relationships to, to each other. And, and as you think about it, not only do people need to do that for others, but people, we need to have people in our lives that are doing it to us. So that's the rule. Well, how do we do that? Well, some have put it this way. There's, a, there's the rule and the tool. It's like sometimes, have you ever heard in church you ought to read your Bible? You know, you know, why do we give a PT with God? That, that's not the only way to get in God's Word, but we want to at least give you a tool in which you can get in God's Word and, and get something out of it by asking questions before you read it or as you read it. That's just a tool. You don't have to use that, but you better have some tool that you're using to live out the rule. Does that make sense? All right. So what we have here at, at Grace Hills is we have life groups to live out the, the rule or the principle is that we got to do life together. And, and so I wanna, what I want to do this, this, this morning is, is to have another attempt to, to break it down. Well, what, is that, what does that really look like if we do that? The, the why is we are to live life together. The one another's live out the one another's and support and encourage each other. But what is supposed to happen in a life group? Well, I thought what I'd do is I'd make it an acronym or a cross-stick, depending on how you want to describe that. And I'm going to take the word life and try to put it in a way that says, okay, this is what's supposed to happen when we do life together. So um, I guess an act of learning, let's, let's, uh, let's say one of the key words to the acronym together. Say learning. learning. Say involving. involving. Say finding. finding. Say expressing. Now, we're going to grade you now. Let's see if you can put all four together. Learning, involving, finding, expressing. That, that's what's supposed to happen in a life group. And, and in many ways, you, you can grade how it's being done. Is, uh, is that being accomplished as you, as you live life each week together, as you, you meet and then you scatter and you try to live it out? Well, let, let's try to put some feet to what does that mean to, to learn, to evolve, to define, and to express. What is it we want to do in a life group? Well, first of all, we, we want to be learning to trust God, and we want to learn to trust God or to, to do it together. Well, why is that so critical? That seems so simplistic, so obvious. Well, it is so obvious. It, it is simple, but it's not easy. The, the challenge for us is that we believe intellectually, for those who have crossed that line uh, into the faith relationship with Jesus, that that he can be trusted, but, but when something comes up, we don't always what? Trust him. 
And why is that? Because sometimes God doesn't do what we expect him to do. And when God doesn't meet our expectations, and that's true with anybody, when somebody doesn't meet your expectations, it erodes what? This is the T word. It erodes trust, doesn't it? And when your trust is eroded, how do you get out of that experience? Well, you better have someone alongside you that's going to encourage you when right now your trust is at a low level, when you're now experiencing the D word, doubt, when your faith grows weak. And if there was anything that Jesus repeated, he would talk to his disciples who should have known better because they were around him all the time. He would rebuke them because their faith was too weak or little or small. They, they weren't able to trust him at the next experience that they were going through. They had forgot God that Jesus had been faithful to them in the most recent past, could have been just an hour ago, and then the next thing came up and they ran away with fear. And so what Life Group is all about is learning to trust God, trust God together. And a few passages, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. And that's, again, a pretty simple statement, isn't it? You know, why are we, why are we reading what we're reading? Well, it's because we need to, to learn that. We need to be instructed. And then he goes on, so that through perseverance in the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have, what's the next word there? Hope. See, when we lack trust, when we lack faith, what we're saying is, what's going to happen next? Even with God in my life, I'm not, I'm not so sure it's going to work out. I'm not convinced that God is good enough because what's happening right now is not good that, that I can just totally rely and surrender my life to him. And, and so as we, as we look at why we can God's word, have you ever thought sometimes the Bible's like, I don't know what subject you want to pick, but did, did anybody ever wonder, you know, you know all, uh, it, did you ever take geometry? Now, some of you live, live in this field, but did you ever wonder, am I ever going to use geometry in my life? All those proofs of all those, you know, theorems. Well, how about trig or if you got a little bit later on in calculus, you know, you know, if you're not, if you're not being an engineer or whatever it might be, and you're, you're applying these the equations, you're going, what in the world? Why am I studying this, right? And sometimes we do that with the Bible. You know, why, why am I studying this? Well, it's not to, to uh, just get more Bible trivia in your mind. Is that when you look at God's principles, one is, what does he want me to do? But, but part of it is looking at his record. He's got a pretty good record. That, that God's goodness and faithfulness is throughout Scripture. And, and when we go through difficult times, sometimes that's why God has exactly allowed that to happen because he wants us to trust him when things are difficult. And so we go back and looking at people who loved him and followed him, and they went through difficult times as well. And when they trusted him, they saw the goodness of God played out. And, and so when we are in... In groups together, and it's interesting that being at the men's retreat, and, and I always tell people, you know, you have to be careful what you say around me because I can use it as a sermon illustration on Sunday, and, which I'm not going to do specifically. But it was interesting listening to some of the men just share what they're going through just recently. And, and if, you were, if you were an outsider without any already faith commitment, you'd say, well, I don't want to follow your God. Look, look, what, look what his followers are going through. Well, I could, I could, get, I could do that without him. And yet, if you listen on, how during the difficult times they saw the goodness of God, they learned to trust him, and, and, and that's why they want to follow him. And, and you say, well, 
what's so good about hearing those kind of stories is because when you hear that's what somebody else has gone through, as you're going through, not the exact same thing necessarily, but it's something similar, something you don't like, and yet you're wondering, can I trust God now? And you hear somebody else has gone through something, and they've, they've trusted God, and they've come out better out of it than they went into it. And, and so that's, that's what life groups are about, is, is we study Scripture. We study Scripture for the purpose of being instructed, but instructed for a purpose, and that purpose is that we, through the perseverance and, and the faithfulness of God's message in the past, that we can have hope right now that God's goodness will still be present for us today. Does that make sense? And, and, and we all go through periods of time where we get discouraged or defeated and, and, and we don't seem to make much movement in our relationship with God. Well, that's what life groups are all about. And if for no other reason you realize, I guess I'm not the only one, you know, that person's more messed up than I am, you know, what it might be. So you, but you realize the goodness of God is there. The Scripture is full about us having our faith based on our trust in the goodness of God laid out. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Which is simply saying, look, if God's not doing anything for you, well, then why are you following him? I mean, that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But the Bible says if you follow him, he's going to reward you. Now, we have to realize he might not reward you in the ways you necessarily want at the moment, but it's in result that your life takes on what it's supposed to be all about, and it, and it shapes your character. And people see Jesus in you, and you realize that your life is not dependent upon circumstances to, to have joy and peace in the midst of whatever you go through. God will reward your faith if you trust him. And again, it's all about being convinced in the goodness of God. Matthew seven eleven. if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Yeah, and, and sometimes we, we'll, we'll, it's all right to be very specific in your prayer because what you want, what, what you're asking for. But what, really what you're asking for is, I, I, I want to know you in a deeper way. I, I, I want to be the person you want me to be. I, I want to experience life in its fullness. I want to be the person the person other people can trust in and rely upon. I, I want to learn all the lessons of life that, that I need to learn, and I, I can trust you it's going to be for good and and for my good and the people around me. And again, that, that comes from active involvement in God's word. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So that's why it's, it's so word-centered, our life groups. And we prepare ourselves for that. By, it's a reaction to the message on Sunday, and then and you get questions. And, and one of the things we're just being honest, but we're going to try to urge everyone going is some. some I know this never happens in any of your life groups of the people who have already been in, but sometimes people don't do the questions beforehand. Well, and really, they're, they're the ones missing out because when you're actively involved in the Word of God before you come there, you have more to share, and there's more involvement in God's truth. And so as we think about what life groups are about, it's about learning to trust, trust God, and do it together. And... and and it's always difficult to write questions because I can make them harder or I can make them easier or whoever's writing the questions. But the, the issue is, is not so much um, how much you learn, but how much you prepare to share. And I don't mean you have to dominate the conversation and some are more shy than others, and that's fine as well. But whenever you come, you come with the opportunity to help somebody else, either in the conversation in the discussion or before the discussion or after the discussion. 
Because if you're trusting God, life on life makes a difference in other people. And, and when you're trusting God and, and seeing his goodness, you can help other people to trust God and see his goodness. Does that make sense? So it's, so it's, a, it's a participant uh, role. It's not, it's not, we're not coming here to lecture. We, you could just hear somebody else preach all the time. But it's involving other people in the discussion of God's word and life. Secondly, you have learning to trust God. Uh, secondly, involving ourselves to serve and to serve together. And, and, and the reality is that that's, God has a purpose for us to, to live out. And, and all we have to do is look at the example of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man, and you could just use the, the word that's the answer of any question at church, for even Jesus, for even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if we're Christ followers, then we follow his example, and his example is he, he came here to serve people. That it's not so much that we go through life, what am I getting out of it? It's what am I giving out in it? And again, it, it's not just what happens in the, in the life group. It's not even necessarily just what happens with those people in the life group. It's to realize this is the life God has called us to live, is that, that, that we're all uniquely made by God with gifts and talents and experiences and and, and, and we're not to hold it so tightly where we're, we're, we're not sharing it with others. You know, how are you impacting? How are you influencing? How am I impacting? How am I influencing the people around me? And, and it has a larger description. Uh, you know, I have to be careful. I'm going to preach what's really not in the message today. But, you, you know, whatever role you're in, you know, whatever vocation you're, you presently are in, whether it's a uh, you have the role of last week we talked about grandparents. If, if that's one of your major roles, then be the best grandparent you can be. If, if you're in that parenting role, be the best parent you can be. But also whatever job you have. If, if you're an engineer, if you're actually using the math, the rest of us wondering why did we, just, <laughs> why did we study it. You know, do the best you can for the, the, the glory of God saying that you, you, you do your best. And, and that's how my, God made you. And you're contributing to our world by doing your job well. Be the best neighbor you can be. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you're a mechanic, make sure that car's fixed. For the, to the honor of God, because that, that, that just contributes to what life is all about and, and serving people. But all in the midst of when you're doing that is to, to look for opportunities to explain why you live the way you live, because it's, it's Jesus living within you. He's called for you for a purpose. And that purpose is to, to serve people in your vocation, in your role, and in your relationship with others. Ephesians 2.10, which, before verse 10 comes verse what? Nine. Before, before verse nine comes verse eight. I just want to make sure some of you were still listening. Okay. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 is, you know, a couple of more familiar verses in, in the Bible to some. For by grace you've been saved through, and that not of yourselves, it is the not as a result of works that no one should boast. And quite frankly, I like to boast if I have anything to boast about. But, you know, as we think about coming to know God in a personal way, there's nothing for us to boast about because it's all God giving it to us. It doesn't matter what our experience has had. We are all saved by God's grace, his, his favor, his goodness. None of us, none of us deserved it. So there's nothing to, to feel proud about. I've said this many times. Christians ought to be the most humble people in the world because of all what Jesus has done. But after we get into this, that relationship with God, by grace, through our faith, and it's a gift that we receive, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. So after we come into a relationship with him, he said, well, now God's 
made us into something. In fact, some actually take that we're, we're, a, we're, a, we're a piece of work, you know, we're a, we're a piece of art. We are, we are God's creative poem that he has written, on, on, you know, on our heart to, to be uh, read or played or sung to others. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God's been involved in it, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in many ways, when we get up each day, it's not what do I need to do today, but what is it that who? God wants me to do today. And sometimes that's not a mystery. If you've got a job, he wants you to go to what? <laughs> he wants you to go to work, right? And do what you're supposed to do at work at well. But, but there are, you know, some details within that while you're there. So God, when I'm there, not only are you, you care about how I do that work and how well I do that work, but in with what attitude I do that work and, and who, I, who am I trying to honor that? In, or am I just doing it for myself or am I doing it for the sake of others? And, and so everything we do, it's for the purpose of fulfilling what God has prepared us to be and to do. Does that make sense? Now, as obvious as it is, it is easy to forget these things, right? Oh, what's on my to-do list today? Or, I don't want to look at my to-do list today. Or, how do, how do I bring God into my life today? Well, is realize that, that God has prepared stuff for us to do every day. And, and let's do it with joy and with purpose and, and, and realizing it's significant. Sometimes we think, I don't think what I do matters. Whatever you do matters. If you do it in the right attitude, in the right way, in the right purpose, and in a way that could honor Him. Does that make sense? And, and that's what life groups are to be about. Hey, we're, we're involved to serve together. And, and just where we are in life, but, but also in our, life, in our life with God as well. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, uh, the New American Standard is the translation I'm using. The, the King James, um, which I grew up in, in fact, I, I, I'm sure you want all the trivia in my life, but you know, I, when I went up to the uh, men's retreat, I didn't want to take a big Bible. I wanted to take a small Bible. I only wanted to be a small Christian up there rather than a big Christian. No, I, I, took, I took a small Bible because it would fit easier in my bag, and, and I grabbed one off the shelf uh, in, uh, in our, one of our rooms, and, and it was funny. It was one of those leather-bound Bibles, and it had my name and, and, you know, put on it. And I, I opened it up, and I got it August 7th, 1960. Okay, so it was, it was the Bible I got when I was a little, little guy, okay? And it was King James Version. But, and the only reason I share that, other than I just want to tell you a story, was, was um, this verse in the King James says this, and let us consider how to, pro- to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And the reason it was put that strongly in the King James language, and stimulate, you know, it depends how you look at stimulate, but it has the idea sometimes you prod people, provoke them. Have you ever, I'm really good at that. Anybody good at provoking people? Just talk to my brother. He'll tell you all the times I've provoked him. Okay. You know, and, and sometimes you can provoke people in a good way, and the purpose you kind of, you know, it's like that football coach says, you're going to hit that guy harder. I mean, they're, you know, you're just, you're just pushing people to, to get to their potential, right? Okay, nod your head like, I understand, that's not that, always evil. Okay, nod your head, okay. So, so he's saying, look, at, we, we need to stay in a relationship. Sometimes it's all right to like, engage people and say, hey, you know, I think you really need to do this. I want to I really encourage you, and I want to I push you. And, and so what is it we're supposed to push each other for? And let's consider how to one another to love and good deeds. So it's a good thing we're provoking people. You know, hey, you can be more loving. You can do more things. 
Not forsaking our own assembly together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So even when you're provoking, it's not for self-purposes. It's for, I really think this is good for them, and I want to encourage them. And I want, Maybe I'm pushing them a little bit, but I'm pushing them for a good reason. So I guess what I'm saying, what life groups are about, they, they, aren't, they, shouldn't be, they shouldn't be totally passive. We ought to be around each other, kind of rubbing each other in a way that's good for each other. And we're saying, look, you've got so much to offer. I just want you to do it. And look, there's two places to serve. One inside the church and one, side, and one is outside the church, right? But it's always for the same purpose. And so we all need to ask ourselves, what is it that God wants me to do to serve Christ in his church? And how does he want me to serve outside the church? Is that pretty simple? And, and, and for some, it'll be different. I mean, in terms of its time and measurements because of stages of life and lifestyle. But we can all ask ourselves the question, what can I do to serve inside the church? And what can I do to serve outside the church? But always for the same person. So learning to trust God together, involving to serve together, and then F, finding friends together. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So you, you need to have people in your life that, that you know, they're, they're always, they've always got your back, that, 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 that you know you can count on them, that they're going to be supportive of you. But if you go through life and and, and you don't have that kind of person or those people that you, that you know, look, at, you can be open to and, and they're there for you for, uh, at all times and particularly even for difficult, difficult times, then, then you're, you're going to be challenged. Proverbs 27, 17, and, and Tony Jones has taken this verse a number of years ago to be the, the theme for the men's ministry. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's, again, when we do life together, we'll, we'll do life better together. And so we need to have people that, that we know and, and we know and it makes us better because we're, we're living together in, in relationship. One of the big things now, um, I don't know if you've seen this in a lot of commercials and, uh, or advertisements, but it, it, so often what people are talking about now is community. Have you seen that word community spread around? I mean... You join, you, you now decide you're going to rent or lease in this apartment complex because join our community. You know, if, if you go into an exercise um, club or whatever it might be, uh, it's not to get in better shape. It's as much as anything else is join our community. Whatever it might be, if you start a diet plan, they don't say just do it by yourself. Come in and join our Community, because they realize, you know, if, you get, if you're around other people are doing that, it's quite probable that you will, you will exercise more or eat better or, or not leave our apartment complex, you know, <laughs> soon, you know month after you, you know, uh, sign a, a document or might, might be. I mean, th- some of the newer things with the, with the millennials is that their workplaces are amazing. I mean, in terms of how, you know, if you ever looked at Google or some of the other places. I mean, that's a party place. Why? Because they're, they're not only inviting smart minds in that contribute a lot, but they want to develop community. Well, really all they're doing is taking from the Bible, okay, is that the church is a place of real community because we community really speaks of having something in common. And, and, and there's a lot of things we don't have in common around here, right? You know, we probably have a pretty large spectrum of ages. We have different genders. We have different 
um, life stages in terms of whether you're working or retired or whether you're in school. Uh, you know, we have different things in terms of what you like to do or don't like to do, what your hobbies are. We could list as many things that we're not in common with, but there is something we have in common. In fact, we're all blood-related, right? <laughs> it's Jesus' blood. And so because we have something in common, we have something that we can live out in community. But for that to be lived out, we have to be in community, and life groups are a great place for that to be. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, then one will lift up his companion. But woe to though the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. That's so true, isn't it? We can do so much more together than we can separate. Now, I didn't really look up this illustration. I heard it a long time ago, but I don't know if you've heard the illustration of, you know, they can, they can hitch up a horse to a wagon and, and put so much weight in that wagon and how, how much can that horse pull that wagon? And I'm just taking numbers here at random, but maybe that horse can, can pull 500 pounds. And so then they, they take another horse and hook up that horse, and that horse is a little bit stronger than the other one. It can, it can pull 600 pounds. And they decide, well, let's, let's hook them both up together and see what happens. And also they hook up both of them together, and they pull 2,000 pounds. Now, this is not geometry or trig. This is pretty basic math, but 500 and 600 ought to add up to what? Well, you guys are pretty good. 1,100, right? None of you said 2,000, but why is it that those two horses could pull more? Because they could do better together than separate. And so that, that's, what, that's what it's all about. And so, you know, if, if, if you go to church, and there's some reason because of, again, stages of life or your, your, just your schedule, you, you can't do, you know, do life groups. But let me tell you, you're really going to connect in a church when you develop some friends in the church, some people who, who know you and you know them, and you, you do life together. And so we, we want to make that a, a, a value in our groups. So what are life, what's, what's supposed to happen in life groups? Well, L, we ought to learn to trust God together. Remember the goodness of God. And the Bible does say trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, if you've been in church for a while, but to trust and obey. Well, it begins with trusting. I'm not going to base somebody I don't trust, right? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're telling me to do with what I want to do, what I should do, what's good for me. But if I trust you, even if I don't understand why you're asking me to do it, I'll do it. I might do it a little bit grudgingly or a little bit with a little bit of fear. But if I trust you, then if you ask me and I know you really want that to happen, I'll do it. And so that's what we want to do with Jesus, learning to trust God together. We realize that there's a purpose to, to trust God because God has something for us to do. And so we're involving with each other to, to serve together. And sometimes the groups do projects together, which is fun to do it. And then finding friends, it's, it's about relationship. It's about community because we have someone in common, so we have something in common. And then finally, expressing our faith together. Now, my wife already critiqued this part of the message, said, I don't like the verses you use, so that's, that's probably, probably she thought I ought to just cut a couple of them out. But I, I, I put both of them in because it's like serving. You can serve in the church and you can serve outside the church, inside the church and outside the church, and we ought to be doing both. Expressing our faith, there's a couple ways you can look at that, and I wanted to use it both ways. When you're in the group and even outside the group when you see each other, you, you can express your faith by just sharing with each other your life, okay, and sharing things that are are important, okay, and about maybe areas in other people's life or in your life. And so I throw out a couple of verses that talk about, well, how do, we, how do we relate with each other? 
And some of them have some, some grit to it. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's one of those verses you go, well, what in the world are you talking about here? Well, if you're really a good friend, sometimes you're going to say things to people they don't want to hear, right? You know, because there's something going on, and you say, look, I'm going to say something you're not going to like, but I'm saying it because I, I really think you need to hear it, Right? It happens to me all the time, trust me, at home. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, Alice is so gracious, I have to pull it out of her. Okay, so, but, you know, there, you know, there are people in my life who will speak into my life, okay? And, and it's, it's good for me. And if, only, if people were only positive with me, never had that happen, but if people were only positive with me, then how would I grow, right? You have to have people who will, who will be honest with you. Okay, and that's not going to happen necessarily in your life group, but in relationships, I mean, that we ought to have people in our life who can speak honestly. There's a verse before verse 6, which is verse 5. It says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. There's a place that sometimes we need to speak, in, speak the truth in love. But on the other side, which is the positive side of it, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is, as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it will give grace to those who hear. And so we need to have people in our life that, 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 that share what we need to hear that lifts us up and builds us up. And so who, who, is it, who, who, who are some of the cheerleaders in your life who are, are, are just helping you be, to be all you want to be as Christ empowers you? And so, again, um, that's, that's expressing our faith to someone. Because I, I love you, I care about you, I'll, I'll share with you some things you ne- might not necessarily want to hear, but I'm also, I'm just looking for ways to build you up. So that's expressing your faith to people in the faith. But just like the other principle, there's another way to look at it. Expressing your faith to people who aren't in the faith, right? God has given us a, a mission. Every one of us should be on mission. And we, we try to express that at Grace Hills that, Everyone has an oikos, and what in the world is oikos? Oikos is a Greek word that really speaks of household, but it's an extended household. It's people in your relational world, people that you, you dance with, Katie. It's, it's you know, people you, 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 in your neighborhood. It's people you do sports with. It's people that are at your school. It's people that, um, that are local that maybe you see all the time in the grocery store. It's people at your work. That's your mission field. That's my mission field. Had an opportunity with a guy I played pickleball this week to, to invite him to church again. He said, you know, I haven't been in church in 20 years. I mean, he's, he's, like, he's only 30, okay? So you, last time he was in church, he was probably 10, okay? Is that he, he, he said, you know, I had to come. I, I'm going to come sometime. Well, he, the reason I invited him because he was in my oikos. I don't think anyone here knows him. But the, I'm, a, I'm a missionary to him. And so we all need to be realizing we're, we ought to be expressing our faith. Well, how do we do that? Well, part of it is, as we learn, we have something to share. Acts chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, kind of interesting story. I can't tell all the backstory, but Philip is, is, God has him doing something really, really big, okay? And sometimes we think, well, only people who do big things for God really count for God. No, Philip was doing something that looked big, and God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to leave speaking to a lot lot of people, and I want you to speak to one person. In many ways, that's how we are. Like, well, who is the one person God wants me to speak this week to? And so he, he transports him, which is kind of like a Star Trek experience, which is kind of a funny story in Acts chapter 8. But he, he gets to this place, and Philip runs up to this, this guy um, from Ethiopia that's in, his, it's in a chariot. 
And he runs up to him and he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet. So Isaiah, you are in the Bible. I just want to let you know in a variety of different places. Okay, so, so this man's reading Isaiah. And actually, that's our PT with God. We're, we're going to have you read through the book of Isaiah. And let me be honest. Isaiah, it, it's a big book. It's got 66 chapters. And, and I've read through that many times. And I, I, there are more things in that book I don't understand than I do understand, even though I've read it many, many times because he, well, I won't give all the reasons why that is. But there are, there's a lot of things going on. It's been written over four king. Yeah, it's, a long, it's a long story. But there are things right on the surface as well that are just awesome. And it says, uh, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And it's like sometimes when I read the Bible, man, I'm not sure I understand exactly what he's saying here and who is he saying it to. Uh, and he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me, unless someone helps me? And he invited Peter, Philip to come up and sit with him. And, and he took one of the more familiar passages they was reading, which was Isaiah 53, which spoke about Jesus. And he said, this is about Jesus who came because we were all like sheep that had gone astray, and he came to rescue us. And so as we learn things, sometimes we're always concerned, well, I, I, I can't say anything to, about Jesus to someone because I don't know what enough. You don't have to know enough. You just have to know what you know. And what you know, just share with people. Keep it simple. And so that's what, that's what Philip did. He went from talking to a lot of people, talking to one person. It's probably the most significant thing he ever did because this person probably went to Ethiopia, and he was the missionary to Ethiopia. And all he did was explain what he knew about Jesus in Isaiah 53. And, and we can go to John 3.16 and explain what we know about John 3.16. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but sanctify Christ, which simply means set apart, uh, you know, make place for Christ as Lord in your hearts. And, and that's an active thing because even as we have Jesus as Lord and Savior, there are times we kind of take Jesus off the lordship part. You understand what I mean? He's not in charge. So we have to set him as the one in charge in our life, and we have to do that regularly because we have a tendency to kind of go our own way and do our thing. And then when that happens... Okay, as, as he's Lord, always being ready to make a defense, which really means reason, always being ready to make a reason to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Why do you believe in Jesus? Why is it you're a Christian? Why are you a follower of Christ? And, and you don't have to go to Bible school or seminary to explain why you became a Christian because you have your own story and just make it simple and clear. And, yet, and when you do it, do it with a, the right attitude, with gentleness and reverence. You know, don't come holier than thou. Don't think that you're the smartest person in the room, because we're probably not. Some of you, I think, are, because I, <laughs> I know your IQs. Okay, but, but most of us are not the smartest people in the, in the, in the room. But just say what you've experienced simply and point them to Jesus. And you say, well, no one's asked me that question. Well, you know how do you get people to ask you questions? Is ask them a question first. Hey, what is it you believe about Jesus? And if they don't take that you know, bait, then you probably don't need to reel it in right now. But uh, I don't know what I believe about Jesus. Well, would you interested to know why I, what I believe about Jesus? And you go from there. But just be prepared to, to explain what you know about Jesus and see what happens. And if, sometimes we'll get in conversations and people, I, I, I can tell you all kinds of stories where, where you know, I started the conversation and they ended it real quick. Well, you know, that, that was just a, a sign from God that this was not the time to, to preach, you know, next sermon's message to him, all right? So what's the point this morning? This is, a, this is a straightforward application. So what? Join a life group. Just join. Make it a priority. 
Do whatever you can to arrange your schedule you can. Now, some of you I know possibly you can't, but do whatever you can to join life, whether it's early in the morning and during mid-morning, whether it be in the afternoon or better in the evening. We got them all different times. And if somehow it's not in the schedule, I'll make one for you. Just tell me, I can't get one. Well, we'll arrange a time. We'll get one going, all right? Because we've got to do life together. 